Big smiles coming up. Big smiles. The smiling assassin is going to join and us. According to Wikipedia, yes, the springboard. Does that relate to... Uh, <laughs> the Springboard, yes. I think they're related to oh, Moorcroft's mark. Oh, could be. Yeah. yeah, we had Moorcroft yes. on last year, if you remember it was. So yeah. it'd be good to see the stepladder. Just chat to the stepladder, what was it uh, like underneath him and all that sort of stuff. Gun player, this Your one. superstar player. But uh, we've got a new intro because I've introduced a new segment. All right, bring and it on. And it's, uh, the segment is called More Than a Game. There we go. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I didn't steal that off anything. Oh, you probably did, but that fires us up. <laughs> fires us up. Yep. So I want to focus on the 2000 game. Um, Essendon were going in undefeated after 20 rounds of football and the most extraordinary winning streak. And the Bulldogs uh, were their next opponent. On And our next guest, Brad Johnson, uh, was all a part of it that day. He kicked, he kicked two goals and had 24 touches. And he joins us now. G'day, Jono. G'day Jack and Roz, how are you guys? Great to be with you and thanks for uh, looking up Wikipedia as well. I wasn't I wasn't aware that Springboard was part of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I might have to, I might have to go in and, uh, and try and edit it. No, it's, it's appropriate. What was it? I mean, before we... I mean, that happened a year later, that, that moment, but... Was, what was it like being underneath Moorcroft that night? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I knew something big when I, when I eventually uh, managed to get myself up off the ground and and I saw 40,000 people, including Bulldog fans, standing applauding it. I thought, oh, something special has just happened and, and was it? Well, what a mark, honestly, when you, when you think about um, how, how big it was and, and having a look on the big scoreboard after it happened, even I went back to him and said, mate, that was an absolute ripper. I actually remember my teammate, Ben Harrison, um, I clearly remember him cheering the mark in place, <laughs> calling it. He actually, he actually cheered it. That's how big. That's how big it was. So, just a, just an ama- amazing effort. Like you, you try and um, you know take Stecky throughout your career, but you know being on the receiving end. But in some ways, I'm 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 wrapped to be a part of it because it was one of the best best marks of all time. It certainly was. Oh, that, that's extraordinary. That, uh, but and then, as you say, you're on probably posters around the world with that one. So, uh, yeah, you know, you're probably a career highlight as long as you know all Australian teams and your captaincies and all that sort of stuff. Best and fairest wins. It's it's that moment. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd take that instead of um, instead of getting hit by a golf cart, which I did later in my career. <laughs> so, I certainly prefer to be standing under a hanger than than uh, missing four weeks of footy being hit by a golf cart. Which is one of the most bizarre things that's ever that's ever happened. <laughs> John, I was here. Three hundred and sixty-four games. Did you did you miss playing sort of straight away? Did that? How did it feel not playing after that? I, yeah, no, I was I was certainly ready to to retire once uh, once I finished. I retired. And I was you know thirty-four years of age, and um, so well and truly had uh, given it a fair crack. And I, I started playing when I was seventeen at the at the Bulldogs when I first walked through the door. So I had a I had a great time, and I was certainly ready to. Um, to step away, my body was just starting to, um, you know, feel the effect of the game. I didn't miss much footy, and in some ways, um, you know, I was able to get through really well. And and I come out the other other side of it um, extremely healthy. So, um, so that that's a positive, I suppose, that comes out of it. But as soon as I finished, no, that was it. That was well and truly done. And, and what about the body now? Is there, is there aches and pains catching up with you? Or? 
Oh, every now and then, no, no question, have to uh, have to still take a couple of anti inflammatories along the way. But, but I suppose when um, you know when when you get through, and I got through really well. Like I, I hardly did. Uh, I didn't do any soft tissue injuries. I had a few, obviously, you know, issues with with ligaments and and shoulders and things like that while while playing, but didn't affect. They weren't that bad that I had to miss um, games of footy. So I was really lucky in um, in that sense that um, I got through really well and and I've come out the other side. So like like anyone, when you get near your 40s, the back gets a bit sore every now and then, and the and the body aches, but but no effects really from uh, from playing footy. And before we sort of get into that game in 2000. Now, you, with a bit of media stuff and all the statistics and the expert sort of commentary, do we think the game analysis by external people and, and people that have been in football, does it, how much does that really matter? And, and how much is a, like, a game plan? How much of a game plan can there be? For us sort of average punters watching the game, we think get the ball, score more than the other team. How much does a game plan sort of mean? Oh, look, the, the basics are still the, the basics, and they've, they've never changed. The basic skills can separate a game. I watched a game on the weekend, North Melbourne and, and Geelong, and although Geelong were a class above, it was the basic skills of North Melbourne that they didn't execute that really cost them um, in terms of the, the distance in the game, in terms of score. So so those things don't change. Yeah, there's there's tactics and strategies now that are a lot different to when uh, when I was certainly playing, no question about the you know the team defence and the and the rolling structures that that go with the way the game is played. I'm I'm wrapped that it's starting to open up a little bit more. I think the whole footy world is wrapped that it's starting to really open up a little bit more, and the key forwards are getting more one-on-one battles, and it's we're starting to see the stars break out of contest a, a lot more as well, which is which is what we wanted to see because it was so congested the game in in recent times that even the very best in the comp, you know, were always under extreme pressure instead of being able to show their real skill. That, that we knew they had. So the games evolved like that. The, the stats and, and all that play play a part in in the way the game is played. And it's, it's evolved in terms of, you know, just all the all the things around contested possession and uncontested possession and ground ball gets and clearances and all these things that, that we look into deeply. But it really does shape the way that, that some teams play and it shapes the way you've got to defend against teams as well. And I'm a North fan, so... I mean, I asked that because of that. That where, where, can you see North Melbourne turning it around quickly, or are we are we are we are hoping, hoping for too? Were we hoping for too much this year when we saw the list and the improvement in the list at the start of the year? Oh, look, it it, it, it can change reasonably quickly. We've seen a couple of teams this year that that we all thought might have been bottom four. They're actually playing really good, really good competitive footy, and um, and it's probably the aspects of, of that that it can turn quickly. Even if I look back in. In 1996, you know, we finished 15th as a footy club and the following year we missed a grand final by a point to the Adelaide Crows. So it can turn it can turn reasonably um, quickly. But, but like I said, last week for, for North Melbourne, it, it really was around those those basic um, basic skills. And even if we go back to when they um, played the Sydney Swans and how competitive they were in that in that game, we've only seen that once this year. And, and that's the side of the game that doesn't take any talent, that mental approach to, to really wanting to attack the opposition with with ferocity, and they did that against the Swans, but then they haven't been able to to repeat that. So it's a manufactured style of play rather than being a natural style of play, and it's not until they become natural in their movement that they're going to improve as a team. And that does that just come with time, Brad? Yeah, no, no question. It, yep. it comes with it comes with it comes with time. We we all understand um, that, and and they have got some very very good young talent, North Melbourne, in their 
in their lineup. They need to try and attract, obviously, some some other keys. But with the fact of what you know, Jason Horn Francis will do over the over the next three to four years with Jai Simkin in the in the middle of the ground, Taron Thomas will continue to get better. Larky up forward, Luke McDonald's already a, a star in the I think in the North Melbourne makeup. So they've got um, they've got the players there. They need to add to that over the next couple of years. But it's going to take a bit of time, and and that's just the reality of um, where they're at at the moment as a football club. So you feeling better, was? Yeah, a little. <laughs> Thanks, mate. What about the doggies, mate? What are you seeing at the at the moment? Are you, if you've, one, have you got any involvement down there as well, or you're just from an outside? No, I'm from an outside in terms of um, in terms of the football department. I, I still do a little bit for the for the club this year in regards to just a few functions and bits and pieces. It's great to be back around around the club. The last few years, I, I've been involved with Geelong VFLW, living in Geelong, and, and that's been um, AFLW, I should say, and that's been great. Being a, being a part of the, the girls and um, and watching their development, which I which I absolutely love. But um, but yeah, so from from a dog's point of view, look, I watched them live last week against the, the Adelaide Crows. They just couldn't. The Crows defended them extremely well around the contest. They just put all their numbers around the ball, didn't allow the dogs out easily. And the Crows worked harder. So the dogs have got a lot of improvement to make up over the over the coming weeks, especially in regards to like they play Essendon and then they play. Port Adelaide, so a couple of games that, that are winnable, but certainly if they don't get their work rate up to the, the level that um, they'd expect internally, then they're going to find it difficult against these teams. Alright. Yeah, no, they will. So you're not concerned, are you concerned about them at all? I mean, they played off in the grand final obviously last year, and um, you know, we're, we're over three goals in front in that during that game, but were you, are you concerned at all that they might not get back to that level um, sort of this year? Yeah, look, there's, there's always that element of concern, I think, with the way that they have started. I would have expected them to, to clean up the Adelaide Crows. You know, they they have proven they're a level above, but um, they couldn't fire couldn't fire on the on the weekend with a couple of key players out. It really did affect their their depth as a as a footy club. So there's there's those there's those issues that they've got to deal with. Even after 2016, they battled the the following couple of years. So hopefully, it's not the same trend that's happening now in terms of May. I know they won the grand final then, but um, you know, making a grand final and, and then battling the the year after. Hopefully, they can you know rectify that trend and, and turn it into turn it into the positive. They're, like I said, their their, their midfield is, is absolutely star studded. Aaron Norton up forward. If they give him enough looks, you know, they've got enough smalls as well up there to, to score. Um, and they've got to just protect their defence a little bit more by playing a forward half game, and that comes down to the, the midfield controlling the contest, and at the moment, they haven't been able to do it. Certainly, certainly. So we're, we're talking to Brad Johnson, Bulldogs legend. Now let's uh, see how good your memory is, Brad. Um, let's go all the way back to 2000 and round 21. Uh, tell us about how it was, and uh, how did you... Well, how was the preparation going into this one? Essendon were 20-0 and looking unstoppable and un- most unstoppable team that uh, probably have uh, played football. Um, but what was it like heading into this game? Oh, look, it was an always it was extremely uh, big rivalry between the Dogs and the Bombers, the team pretty much around the corner from each other um, in, in location. So there's always that healthy rivalry. And Terry Wallace, I remember walking in on the Monday and, and saying, OK, this is how we're going to do it uh, this week. And he called it Mission Possible. And we had it was all the whole Mission Impossible theme, I suppose, but they called it Mission Possible and um, basically said, well, OK, we're going, to, we're going to create a mass flood. We're going to train down at Werribee Footy Club for the entire week. And we stepped out of the Witten Oval and got away from from prying eyes, and I went down to Werribee and and worked on this um, worked on this flood, which is pretty much everyone getting back inside defensive fifty and not allowing the bombers to score. And 
And now look, it was it was an amazing um, structure. We all bought in, of course, as as players, um, and and trying to, to give it a go to, to just to give them something different that they that they wouldn't expect to put them on. Hopefully, mentally more than anything on the on the back foot and and affect the way they they move the ball. And and look, so we went through the whole week, trained it up, and even when we started the game, I remember. The first quarter was, was reasonably good. It was a bit of a surprise to the Bombers. I remember when we walked off at, at quarter time, Mark McCurry and, and Mark um, and Joey Mercedes were, were basically going, what are you boys up to today, you know? So it was, it was just trying to sort of get in their heads a little bit and restrict their scoring as, as much as possible. And we'll, we were able to do that for, for three quarters. I think the Bombers were 20 points up at, at three-quarter time. And, we, and then I remember specifically at three-quarter time, Terry Wallace goes, OK, it's time to win the game. So we went from the mass flood to playing that attacking brand of footy, which we were excellent at, and we turned the turned the tables in that last quarter. We just attacked from from the outset, and we're lucky enough to get the balls in the hands of Chris Grant with a couple of minutes to go, and he kicked the beautiful left foot snap from the boundary, and and Roland Smith kicked one after the siren, and we win by seven points. So it was a it was just an amazing night. The pressure and the intensity was um, something that we'll never forget as players. And uh, like at the end of the night. What did you sort of take out of what did, uh, did Wallace say much after the game in regards to what you could take out of that? Oh, look, it was it was just to, you know that that belief that you know you can you really we really could achieve. We were in two thousand. We come off 98, 97, 98 in prelims, ninety nine in finals, and two thousand. We're still looking to play finals football. It was just how far you know where we're going to finish on the on the ladder. Beating Essendon was was huge for us in terms of our position. And then unfortunately, the following week we played Hawthorne at at um, at Delta or Marvel, what it is today, we played them there and tried a similar sort of tactic because we thought that might have been something we could take into finals and it didn't quite work against the Hawks. They beat us and then we had to go to Brisbane and play, I think, the Brisbane Lions in first week of the finals in Scotty Wine's last game and we just couldn't um, we couldn't beat the Lions up up there. So although it was a it was a great victory in twenty one, in round twenty one, twenty two we left let ourselves down and we certainly did in the finals as well and we just couldn't take that next step as a club. In, in that year, so so this game plan, this this whole flooding thing, it, it got introduced into the game. Um, you know, I, I think uh, by um, Rodney Ede uh, back in the um, early uh, mid nineties, and then obviously Plough picked it up. But um, did you, you said you tried to replicate it again the next week, and it just didn't work. Yeah, look, I think once you do something like that, it gives the opposition a chance to plan. So, so the Hawks, no question, planned planned for it. They had a, they had a tactic in around if we did if we did flood early that they'd be able to still still score and and they got uh, they got a healthy lead that we weren't able to um, you know bridge that um, bridge that gap again. They got their confidence up, their tail up, and and were able to beat us on that on that yeah. night. So I think it was more around that the, the shock of the week before that it was a tactic that Essendon didn't expect going into the following week where um, it wasn't as full on, the, the flood is what it was the week before, but certainly Hawthorne had, had a chance to prepare just in case we um, we executed that and, and we brought that to the table and we did and they were able to, to counter it. Now, if we, we, we uh, shoot back to now, we see Bonapelli sort of playing in the mids, playing up forward. You did a lot of moving around yourself. Where did you feel most comfortable and where did you enjoy playing the most? No, I, I, I love playing as a, as a forward, especially... You know, obviously, it's a, it's a little bit different today when when guys go forward. They're they're playing team defence, so it's it's a lot more difficult. You have got players zoning off, and you're you're fighting a two v one all the time. Like Norton and Bond, when they are when they are deep, generally the opposition will try and drop one back to um, to support the contest. So, you know, I, I love playing footy. I love playing one up forward. I love playing one on one footy. The midfield was um, 
was good in the early stages. I learned a lot. My first few years, you know, I had to play on the likes of Robert Harvey and Nathan Buckley and Shane Crawford and Peter Matera on a wing and basically as a tagger and, and learning the craft. And then when Plough got to the um, to the footy club after 1998, after our second prelim loss, he tapped me on the shoulder in the pre-season and said, look, we're going to throw you forward. But to do that, he actually... Um, he actually brought Brian Taylor down to the club and I spent a whole summer working one-on-one with Brian Taylor learning forward craft where to lead how to position myself goal kicking routine and set myself up with with BT which was which was huge for for myself you see forwards or or midfielders go forward these days but I'm not sure whether they they've got the one-on-one coaching that um, that could be available if they if they had the resources and I was lucky that BT took the time to come down to every training session and, and he'd be standing on the ground with me basically while the games are on while we're in match sim the whole lot and taking me through exactly and yelling at me and putting me in position so That's without awesome. that guidance I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have succeeded as a as a forward as early as I did. Was there a whole lot of wowies and gee whizzes and everything else that he deals or he rolls with in the commentary box when you were shooting for goal? <laughs> no, no, I can't, I can't remember if there was, uh, if there was anything, uh, anything like that, but uh, it would have been hilarious if there, if there was. <laughs> well, I've got something in common with BT. Uh, last week I did the radio show on my own here and I dropped the F-bomb and he's done that on radio as well. So, uh, But I think we, we kind of take uh, BT for granted a little bit and, and in that um, we don't realise he was actually a quality forward. Yeah, no, he's a good player. But do we see these days with with the forward craft, I, I don't see a lot of hit-up leads. You know, it, it's always kick it over the back or the big fella just pointing to the right. Uh, are we getting yeah, that right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I think it's, um, I think it's starting to... Well, Tom Hawkins is the best at it. I love watching Tom Hawkins play. I think the cat's really structure up to allow him the hit-ups. Yeah, they give him that space. And they actually, yeah, they open up the hole really well for him to, to pop into, and he just puts his big frame in front, and he's hard to hard to stop. But his timing's the, the best in the business at it. Um, so I think it's starting to just open up a, a little bit more. We're seeing more pockets that the forwards can actually work into. Um, where in the in the past, I'm talking the past, the last probably you know two to five to six years, it's been very difficult because the opposition have just got their zone defence back in back in to fill up the gaps. It was long to the pockets, out of play, get a stoppage, and and I'm glad that sort of started to change a little bit because you know giving the forwards an opportunity to to perform the craft at the level and give the defenders a chance too because there's some great defenders one on one. I love seeing those those battles. I'm not sure we'll ever get back to the Kerry Jakovic battle that we all loved through through the through the 90s and 2000s, but. We'll still certainly see some great one-on-one battles now into the future. And I think too, with the, with the kick around the body becoming so popular and you, you're so skilled at it, taking a mark on a lead up up on the boundary isn't that bad an idea? No, it's not. And, and yeah, you're right. The the um the forwards are, are getting better at at that. They, they even watching. I think it was Collingwood and Essendon on the weekend. Like some of their they, they kicked. I think between the two teams, it was 14 goals one from set shots. You know, after quarter time, and uh, the set shots were were amazing, and a lot of those were from the from the pocket, but they just absolutely nailed them. Some were direct set shots, drop punts, some were around the corner. So you know, it, it is individual choice, of course, and what they're comfortable doing. But they are extremely good at it these days, the players. Now, have you? Uh, we've spoken about our one of our sort of standout games. Have you got a, a standout game of your own that you just really enjoyed playing one day? Not maybe not because you kicked four or five or six or but just watching someone else do it or oh there's well I'm glad you didn't make me talk about an individual game of my own because I'm not, I'm not that good at uh, 364 good at of them to pick from yeah exactly, exactly right so now nah, look there's um oh look there's there's many 
there's many games to to be honest with you from from that point of view. Watching Chris Grant on a on a daily basis was just phenomenal. He was, you know, he was nicknamed the Rolls Royce for a reason. He he was just um, absolutely awesome in terms of um, in terms of what he did. One of the standout games that comes to mind instantly is is um, is Drew Peach. We played North Melbourne one day at the MCG. I think it was Glenn Archer's record breaking game or a milestone game, and he kicked seven goals in a quarter against us. And that was one of the best games, yep. best quarters of footy I've ever, I've ever seen. Well, I was, I was um, unfortunately Drew watching. I was watching from the other end. I was at the wrong end of the ground that day, and uh, it was too far away. But yeah, yeah, it was a cracker. That was, yeah, that was that was that was unbelievable in terms of being, um, you know, on the receiving end. Yes, but watching an opposition player just absolutely tear it apart and kick seven in a quarter was um, was ridiculous. And the best you've seen or played against in your time? Oh, the best. Yeah, the best I played against was um, Andrew McLeod. I always say that as a, as a direct opponent, he was. <laughs> He was just ridiculously good. He was um, he was just super in terms of his speed and his positioning, and he was he was unstoppable. Watching him, you know, he dominated us in in '97 and '98 in the prelim finals, and and he was um, he was just so good to play play against Nathan Buckley with his with his power. Uh, this guy would would stand next to you, and the next thing he's 20 meters away because he's just got had the probably the best power I've seen in terms of a, a guy that could break away. So. So they're probably the, the the two that I um you know go to all the time in terms of having played against that were just you know a level above everyone. Yes. Well, I was actually asking my uh, uh, the manager at the pub that I work at in Hillsville um, that we're going to speak to you, and he's a mad bulldog. And um, I asked him, you know, what what would you say if Brad walked in, and he goes, well, he's the greatest bulldogs player ever. So there I mean, go, besides um, yourself, um, who was the best player at the Bulldogs? No, nah, look, uh, Chris Grant was the um, was was the one yep. that was the was the was the level above. His left and right skills were were phenomenal. Look, I, I grew up begging for the Bulldogs um, as well. So so watching Doug Hawkins, you know, when I when I was growing up was sensational. But but Granny was always my my favourite player. When I was about thirteen, Granny was seventeen, kicking fifty goals in his first season of footy with the Bulldogs. So you know, all of a sudden, you know, that that little gap as a young as a young teenager watching someone like that, I, I fell in love with Granny straight away. So um, it was pretty special to be able to stand next to the guy on a, on a weekly basis and, and be a couple of lockers down from him and um, and become pretty good mates. So so Granny was the one. Westy won seven best of fairest in our in our time. So fair to say Westy um, could handle himself pretty well on the uh, <laughs> on the footy field. So um, so he was he was phenomenal. And then more more currently as as those guys sort of finished their careers, then we had. You know, Adam Cooney, Ryan Griffin was was a star. Daniel Cross, and um, and we had a really cool group when we played finals through through oh sort of eight, nine, and ten. When you look at you know Crossy and, and Daniel Boyd, um, Matty Boyd, and um, and then you had Ryan Hargrave and Brian Lake down back, and Lindsay Gilby running off half back. So we we had a really good core group of guys. Daniel Johnston was a, was a star in my eyes. He was so consistent in his in his output. So we we were lucky through that period to have a really good core group of young guys that, that led our team. We did. We've, awesome. we've spoken too much about footy, Brad. Uh, we really have. We're caught in the moment then. Um, now, your business, Cena Sport. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's been great fun where my wife and I have, um, and, it's, and it is all my wife, it is a protective vest for, for females playing contact sports. It's got breast and rib protection. So it came about about five years ago and um, and yeah, from from that point on, with the growth of female sport, my my wife was just having a coffee with her girlfriend five years ago, and they're talking about you know breast injuries in sport, and um, we just started to explore the opportunity around if there's anything out there to support the girls, and you know we came up with with the Zena vest, and it's it's been great. Look, we did our research and and design for three years and all our trials, and then we 
uh, work with Deakin University, their Centre for Sport Research, to get the, the padding and validate the impact of the padding. It's a world-class padding that we've got in the in the vest. And we launched two years ago, and a week before COVID hit, but it's but it hasn't sort of stopped us. We've been full steam ahead, which has been which has been great. And we've had two years now of unbelievable feedback and and comments from the elite girls. We've got about 80 that wear it every week in the AFLW, right through to community sport in terms of footy, but but also about 30 other sports. Any sport that's got any type of contact can, can put our vest on. It's lightweight. It doesn't restrict your movement at all. And, and the girls are loving it. It's not seen under their jumper. So it's been great fun, honestly, to, to be involved in, in the growth awesome. of, um, of women's sport. It's been so much fun. And I love, I love all sports. Like we've got girls that wear it in surfboat rowing or we had you know, the goalball team at the, the Tokyo Paralympics um, wear the vest throughout their tournament. So it's just been great fun to produce something that the girls love wearing and that protects their protects contact and any types of knocks to their breast and rib area. So it's it's been great. Um, it's been great fun. Where do we find them, mate? Uh, Xenosport.co is the um, is the website, or Xenosport underscore co is underscore co is our Instagram page. Have a look and. If you've got any, um, if you've got any interest, you know, reach out to us. We're we're certainly, um, you know, we've got all our email addresses and stuff on our website. So send us a send us a message and um, and if you've got any questions about it, we're more than happy to answer them. Of course. Oh, perfect. Awesome. So yes, that uh, that website again, Brad. And cenasport.com.au. No, just cenasport.co. Just C O N. So ah. yeah, nice and nice and simple and. Um, and we look forward to, you know, assisting as many girls as we can play all types of contact sport. Very awesome. good, Brad. Very good. Right. Now, Jono, last one. Um, we've seen a uh, virtually undefeated team at the moment running around the AFL. Had, would a flood defeat Melbourne? No. I like your thinking. Something, something a bit different. COVID could beat Melbourne <laughs> this week. That's about, uh, that's about the extent of it with their coach out and, and three of their young guns not, not going to play this week due to, due to COVID. But they have three out, then they get Viney and Lever back in. So <laughs> the replacements are, are pretty strong. They're going to be difficult to beat. No, no question. Look, they, they, they'll probably drop one or two along the way. They, they mightn't as well. Who knows? You know what I mean? We, we, we sit here and guess whether they'll go through undefeated, but they've certainly got the talent and the consistency in their performance to, to do it. They just need one, one quarter to break a team open. And, they're, and even if they're down, they need one quarter to get back into the game. They're, they're a powerful team. And they showed that in the second half of the grand final last year, what exactly they can do when under pressure. And, and they stand up every single time, especially through the midfield. Yeah. Yep, no, it is. It has been fun to barry Chris and Brett. Uh, but, um, look, thank you so much. I've got to leave it there, mate. But thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been great to pick your brain and uh, t- uh, touch on um, your memories and um, your thoughts on all things footy, mate. No, nah, Jack and Woz, I really, I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me on your show. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Not a problem. There we go. Brad Johnson, the smiling assassin and the superstar. And the springboard, yes, uh, joining us there. So thank you very much to Brad, yes, and, um, yeah, goodness, his achievements in football uh, go yeah, from... Humble to the... Humble, humble, humble. And the, good bloke. Correct. And yep. oh, I'm just so happy we spoke to him. Um, yep. So thank you, him.